Well, welcome if you're visiting Willow Park Church this morning or you are uh, uh, coming and you're connecting in and you're wondering how you can do that. Well, Monday evening in the Hope Center at uh, 7 o'clock, there is a Next Step group which you can get right plugged in immediately uh, from this morning's service and we'd love to you to do that and get involved and get plugged in. We've got about 40 going through Alpha at the moment which is amazing and we're really uh, blessed by that. They're into their second week. But we've been working our way and teaching in the book of Ephesians and thinking about the scriptures that are there and last week I talked about the path. Uh, Walking the right way, walking the correct way, learning to walk with God. Learning to understand that God really wants to walk with us on that journey and wants to be with us and wants to guide us and wants to speak to us in in his wonderful and powerful way. And that we're on this journey, we're on this walk. And so we're going to continue part two talking about walking in the Spirit. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5 and put your finger down at verse 15. But if you're like me, and what I've always really felt is I've really wanted my Christianity to work. I want it to work in the reality of my life. I want it to work within my marriage. I want it to work within the way I raise my children. I want it to work in the choice of my employment. What I don't want is becoming a Christian was that I just kind of added on a bit of religion in my life. What I really wanted was that sense of, yes, that Christ's power and Christ's strength is transforming my life. And that is at work within my home. That it's tangible. That it is present. That there is the the presence and the power of God. I don't know if you feel that way. But I really want it to be real. I want it to be tangible. And I want it to make a difference in every day part of my life. Now the truth is this. I believe it can and it does. I believe that the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ working in our life makes an utter difference in our lives. That the kind of home I have today would be a very different home if I did not have the Lord Jesus Christ. The type of man that I am around my kids is very different to the type of man that I would have been if I'd never met Jesus Christ. The type of Husband and the way that I treat my wife and honour my wife is completely different in many ways to the model and the way that I watched in secular atheistic society and that is very different in my life today. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that the way I respond to people is different to the man that I could have been to the man that I am today. And for me that's important. Because it means that the transforming power of Christ really does make a difference in each one of our lives. And I think this is what Paul is starting to teach us here. And the different component is this. It's that my life and the way that I am, I desire to walk in the Spirit. 
I desire to be filled with the Spirit. I desire to walk in the Spirit in my life. And we talked last week, and if you didn't watch it, please log on, about walking correctly, rightly, in the right way, digging deep, going deep. And now is the part two of this about the right path in the right way. And so here in verse 15, the apostle says, now if you're not a Christian, You can look up this in the Bible and start to read it. You can read the Bible if you're not a Christian, by the way. In fact, I'll give you a Bible. I've got hundreds of them. People forget them and leave them all the time here. But I also have Gideon Bibles. And it's okay for you to study the Bible if you're not a Christian. I don't know if you've ever realized that, but I want you to know that. And if you're distant from God, it's okay for you to pick the Bible up again. It won't bite you. Well, not the first time. But verse 15 says, But be very careful then how you live, not as the unwise, but as the wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. We're going to pause right there. I wish I had a time machine. I don't know if you're into sci-fi or you've ever watched particularly English sci-fi. There's one that is famous called Doctor Who. How many of you have watched Doctor Who? Twelve of you. God bless you. And it's a story about a doctor that flies through the universe in space and time in a small telephone box. Which is bigger on the inside than the outside. I know it sounds ridiculous, and frankly, it is. But he goes back in time to solve many problems, goes forwards in time to solve many problems. And this is a theme of a lot of current fiction. Going backwards, going forwards, going around. How many of you remember Back to the Future when those films came out? And they, oh, there we got an amen. Yeah, it was made in North America. Ah, None of this, this English stuff, you know, this random English sci-fi, surely not. No, good. Hollywood. And so, so of course, uh, Marty McFly, I believe his name was, went back. And I remember going to the teenager, as a teenager, going to the cinema and watching Back to the Future 1, Back to the Future 3, Back to the Future 2. Not in that order. And... And seeing all the mess and all the problems and going back and thinking as a teenager. And for those who are more educated, you may have read H.G. Wells' books, you know, about time travel and so on. And, and all of that, H.G. Wells, and we, we know that. But wouldn't it be wonderful to go back and to change what has been done and live your life in a different way, if only you could. Now, I haven't got a time machine for you this morning. But I can tell you a way to live your life in the very best way you could ever choose to do from this scripture. And what is that? It's live your life right now in wisdom and the will of God. And that is the best way to live your life. Think about it. And then have a time machine and time slips away for all of us. Times like a river, the water that passes by at that time can never be regained. It can never be reconnected. We have sayings like, don't cry over spilt milk. Because you can't do anything about that, can you? Or, you know, 
when we, uh, if you carpenters amongst you about, you know, if you've done a wrong cut and the sawdust is on the ground, you can't, that's it, you can't do anything about it. You have to learn to leave the past and move on. What's Paul saying here? He's actually saying, make the most of every opportunity. In other words, if you're going to walk in the Spirit and know what it is to walk in the Spirit, it's about making the most of today and now and determine, as for this day, I will not waste this day, but I will make the most of my life. I will make the most of who God has made me. I will make the most of my faith and I will not waste one single day because I'm going to live a different life. I'm going to live a life that is controlled by the presence of the Spirit. Thank you. But we understand that, don't we? That we want to live by the life of the Spirit. And he says here, don't get drunk on wine. Have you ever ever met anybody that's got drunk on wine? Oh, there's a lot of... um, have you ever been drunk on wine? Raise your hand. Uh, yeah. <laughs> One honest person. And I love you. Is Paul knocking wine? It could be a problem in the Okanagan. A lot of us have worked in, in the tourist industry perhaps. But is he knocking wine? I'll tell you what Paul is doing right here. He's saying don't get drunk on wine. Why is he saying this? Because people that live in a daze, their life floats along and they've missed the opportunities that God has for them in their life. One year turns into 10 years. 10 years turns into 40 years. And before you know it, that you're at the end of your life. Because he's not just knocking wine. Because in other places he says, take a little bit of wine. But what he's actually saying is, he's knocking you and I from living in a kind of drunkard stupor of our life. Where we fail to live effectively because we fail to live in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And we fail to walk in the Spirit and make our life count. So you haven't got a time machine. But what you can do now is make today count for Jesus. Walk in the Spirit. Make it count for him. This is a wake-up call to all of the believers in this region saying, come on, don't drift through life. Don't slip and slide like somebody sat on a bar stool in a motel drinking the wine as one year passes by. Don't slip through life with no awareness. Walk through life with a sense of knowledge that God has a job for you, that God desires to use you, that he desires you to be filled with his spirit. So we've got to be willing. He teaches us here that we are willing to be filled. And here he has, do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the spirit. Be filled. 
That little phrase, be filled with the Spirit, that may seem strange to you, particularly if you're not a Christian and you're coming here and you're listening and you're thinking about it and you're wondering what's going on. What does this mean, filled with the Spirit? Because you've just talked about wines and now you're talking about spirits. Are you talking about Albertan rye? What are you talking about? And you're shocked that I know the name of that, forgive me. Um, He's talking about the the glory of God dwelling within your life. He's actually using a word called regeneration, really. And regeneration is when something changes in your life. The Holy Spirit comes into your life and he regenerates you. And you become a Christian. And the Holy Spirit dwells within you and he is present. Now, what does the Holy Spirit do when he comes and lives within you? He changes our inner man. He starts to regenerate us and he starts to change us into what like? He changes us into the likeness of Christ Jesus. And as he starts to change us into this likeness, and this is a wonderful experience in any Christian's life. It is magnificent. It is something that I've lived for, that I've breathed for, that every day I wake and I want to become more like Jesus in my life. And if you've never met Jesus, there's no better way because when Jesus is regenerating you, when he's bringing new birth, when he's bringing new life, he's changing your character, he's changing you into the man and woman that God designed you to be. So what goes on in this filling of the Holy Spirit process? Well, what goes on is that our minds are renewed, that he changes the way that we think. What goes on is our focus changes. Our focus moves from just things around us that can so easily distract us. Our focus changes to amazing, wonderful things that God has a purpose, that he wants to use us, that a spirit-filled person walking through life, their focus is on the kingdom, on Jesus, on what can achieve, the difference they can make, the blessing they can bring, the life they can offer, the moments of witness we can share, the kindness we can give to people. A spirit-filled life is full of goodness, full of generosity, and full of God's life. This is wonderful. And so he's talking about that. So you receive not only a new mind, a new focus, but you receive a new nature. Being filled with the Holy Spirit does not mean how loud you can shout in church. And if you like to shout occasionally in church, I don't mind that. I've preached a lot in Africa. I don't mind it. I don't mind joy. But it's not just a sign of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit does not say how gifted and amazing you are in spiritual gifts. I tell you the mark of truly being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit is the transformation of your nature and your character into Christ. That he changes your character. That he changes your walk. 
He changes who we are. All the wonderful things are there. But you know what? The most beautiful thing is this. Character is king. And how we speak and how we treat and how we minister to people is part of this, what we call being filled with the Spirit and the fruits of being filled with the Spirit is this. The fruit is that our character is radically being changed and we're being transformed and we're being controlled by the presence and the glory of God. And God is number one in our lives. Are you willing to walk in the Spirit? Are you willing to seek His presence in your life? Are you willing to talk? Or are you going to live life in a bit of a slippery, slidey, little drunkard phase and, 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 and wine could represent anything that takes your eye off the ball about living every day that counts for Jesus. Anything. It could be material. It could be whatever you do. It could be anything. I think what Paul is trying to communicate to us is make your days count because you only get one shot at this life and to focus on the purposes of Christ is the greatest way for any human being to live their lives. So how do we do this? Where is this played out? How do, where do we start? He actually gives us a hint. It's quite tantalizing here in the scripture. He talks about be filled with the Spirit and then he says, Speak to one another with psalms, with hymns and songs from the Spirit. Wow. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a great verse. He's saying, if you really want to walk a spirit-filled life, if you're going to make a difference, then your walk flows out of a heart of utter thankfulness and praise and glory that comes from within who you are. Praise and thankfulness is a big part of walking in the spirit. We don't know what music sounded like really in the ancient world. But what we do know is that music was used in worship and in Roman Empire, in Jewish worship. It was used in the temples. We know that there were instruments like harps. They were very fond of harps. So if you were kind of uh, having a worship session in, 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 in Christian, early Christian times, we assume that there would have been a good few harps on here. So we would have Curtis in his cowboy gear and a harp. Do you like that thought? A lot of bells. They like cymbals and bells. Drums. A lot of beating of hand drums and, 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 and instruments made from uh, animal skin and drums and sounds. A kind of bagpipe sounding noise. I know. It's terrible. And... But this kind of, and there'd be bells going. And I've, but honestly, we don't really know. You can go on YouTube and you can listen to some Roman music. I did it this weekend. And my kids looked at me as if I was mad. Um, we don't know. There's not a lot of ancient music left. 
is not preserved. The hymns they sang just about this time. But here in verse 14, we have, a, we have a bit of a hymn. We have a moment where we can look back through history in our time machine for a moment and see what they were singing to each other. Look at this in verse 14. What are the words? And it says, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Imagine going to church and everybody singing that. Looking at each other in the face and going, wake up sleeper. Raise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. Simple words but profound. Sang again over and over with the harps playing, with the bagpipes little in the background, with the noise of the drums beating, with the bells uh, chiming. And as they sang these things together, they were declaring to each other, don't sleep your way through life. Wake up and what? Let the sun shine on you. Right there. Isn't that the definition? Of being filled with the Spirit. That the sun shines on you. So when I want to walk in the Spirit, I want the sun to shine on me every moment of my life. We love sunshine here, don't we? We love sunshine. We love it. You all go crazy about this time when the valley's been socked in and this blue skies, everybody's walking, oh, look, the sky. It exists. Hallelujah. And the Albertans going, yeah, see this all the time. Yes, you do. But it's minus 50. Um, you haven't got crocuses growing. Get back. Walking filled with the Spirit means that you wake up out of your life and you let the sun shine on you. And maybe it's as simple as that for some of you that when you get out of bed in the morning and you pour that first cup of coffee, you need to stand and let the sun, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords fill you afresh. So where does it really work? I want to encourage you to live your life with gladness and thanksgiving and praise. I want to encourage you that the apostle is teaching you here. And you may go, well, I'm not musical. I don't like to sing. I don't like Christian music playing in my car. Hmm, I'd rather have... I don't know. But, because I'm going to offend somebody, whatever I say... Except country and western. And I'll only offend Curtis. And so, listen, if you want to live a spirit-filled life, I'm sorry to tell you that it starts with living with thanksgiving in your heart. Get the praise at the center of your life. If you're driving those kids around from meeting to meeting, from from activity to activity, bang a praise tape in and get the praise at the center of your family. 
If your iPod's full of everything else except a wonderful worship album that you can put on and listen to the glory of God, then download it and start to put thanksgiving and praise, whether it is from iHop music all the way through to the Gaithers. Whatever you love, get into it. Let it bless you. Let gladness come because the scripture teaches what in Psalm 100 and verse 4, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. And the presence of God always comes when you spend some time in thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the gate that brings the presence of God at work in your life. See, but I haven't felt God's presence for years. I'm, I, I, oh, no, I'm, I, I don't, I, it's, I've just attended church. I haven't thank, felt God's presence for, for so long. Can I say to you, maybe start your quiet times with a long time of thanksgiving of all the things that you are thankful for. Psalm 95 makes it clear that then we move on to become people that bow before the Lord and we come and worship him and let our knees fall before him in humility and adoration. And then the book of James says that we are purified and that we are washed. And dear brothers, we are cleansed as sinners. So don't be double-minded in your faith, but come into his courts with thanksgiving. Bow your knee before him. Start your day with God's glory and declare his presence and let praise interwine every area of your life and I'll tell you 21 days of thanksgiving and you will live a life full of God's spirit but some of us have just forgotten how to be thankful we've learned perhaps how to be Maybe a bit miserable. We've learned to be negative. We've learned to moan and groan and grumble. Sounds like a group of people I knew very well once stuck in a desert for 40 years. So where does the life of the Spirit really show itself out? Well, he gives us the key. It's a bit strange. We've got headings here in our Bibles that don't exist in Scripture, by the way. He's writing in one long flow. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another. What does the word, what does it really mean when we submit to one another? Well, what it actually really means is this. When I submit to you and you submit to me, it means this. That what you want from my relationship for me is you want the very best of God's blessing in my life. And I want the very best in your life. And I want good things. I want goodness. I want blessing. When we submit to one another, we're saying to each other, I value you. I cherish you. I bless you. I want goodness to flow. And we can only submit to one another in life and learn to do that when we're filled 
filled with the Spirit and not full of wine, if you like, and distraction and slipping our way through humanity. When we live a life with gladness and praise and thanksgiving and when we look at our fellow human beings and we are filled with the Holy Spirit and we want to bless the people around us and we submit to each other because what we really want is goodness and blessing and encouragement. Submission really brings God's goodness and blessing. Think about that. The mark of being spirit-filled is shown out with the way that we treat people around us. So not surprising, the next verse talks about what? This is good. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourself. See, the baby's already crying. I love it. I love having children in. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which is the saviour. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy. You know this scripture. It talks about wives and husbands. It talks about children and parents. It talks about work and it talks about slaves and masters. True submission isn't about bullying. Submission isn't about being the boss over people. These are the most radical words of the ancient world that were ever written about family life. It's about living your home, your marriage, your life in the Spirit, in submission to God's Spirit and in submission to Christ, submission to each other, that husband and wife desire to bless each other, desire to encourage each other, desire goodness of each other, desire the best of each other and desire God's Spirit and God's blessing to be interwined into the fabric of of that home and it's built upon primarily the work of the cross and the submission to Jesus Christ. And male leadership in the home, if it is bossy, if it is rude, if it is demanding, if it does not want the best, if it does not encourage, if it doesn't edify, if it doesn't look at that person and those children and those employees and say, I am a spirit-filled man. I am not here to lord it over you. I am here to bring the blessing and the presence of God into my family. I am a man called to hear the will of God, to pray, to bring and carry the Spirit. And it's two-way of submission. It is a way that is beautiful and amazing when you have Christ at the center of your life. 
Let me try and explain it another way. Roman men. Roman men were the head of their homes. They ran everything. Ever since a guy called Aristotle, do you remember Aristotle from ancient history? He's got a nice haircut like he's in the Beatles with a beard. And he was a great philosopher. And Aristotle wrote these words, basically women are inferior to men. The ancient world lived that way. The Roman leader of his household, the children submitted, and if they didn't, watch out, because the amount of child violent abuse on young children was outrageous in the ancient world. Every member of the family submitted. He dealt with the religion. He walked around. Every slave submitted every situation. And there he lorded it over them. Paul turns the tables here and says, I want you to build a spirit-filled, God-blessed, Christ-centered home that is built on sacrifice, built on redemption, built on the gospel, and built on a a group and a community of family who are filled with the Holy Spirit and Jesus is at the center. Now, I like the vision of that. I like the vision that my calling to my wife is to bring life and blessing and hope and encouragement and allow her to fulfill all that she's meant to be in Christ Jesus. And I am called to die and to die and to die. And I am called to sacrifice and I am called to bless and I am called to encourage and I am called to be a spirit-filled Christian. I am not called to be a Roman. Now, still in the 21st century, some may say, well, that's, it's still a bit, hmm. We haven't got time to go through it. But men, don't live your Christian life like you're in a, fa- a little daze, slipping and sliding. Live with gladness in your heart and thanksgiving. Be filled with the Spirit. Understand that true submission starts with you And your wife handing everything over to Christ and allowing Christ's spirit to fill your home. And this is beautiful. You see, the spirit-filled life is only really worked out in the way that we handle our family and our relationships, our kids, and our place of work. He's teaching us this. We walk in the spirit most profoundly of how we walk through our kitchen on a Monday morning. That's how full of the spirit you are. It's how you honor each other. It's how you bless each other. It's how you want goodness, good for each other. And it all comes back amazingly in the middle of this text... He brings us back. It's, it's almost bizarre. 
He's giving advice about family and, and good advice in the Roman Empire, the Roman times, about being different families, the way we conduct ourselves, the way we treat, and all of this. And, and, and it's all there. And in the middle of it, it says, he, he talks about the crucified Christ. And he talks about the cross. And he tells the men to live like they've been crucified with Christ and that they would be willing to die to everything. And I think real blessing comes in our homes when Paul says, come on, die to yourself and put the cross as number one. Die to yourself. Love each other. Redeem each other. Encourage each other. Bless each other. And do the will of God together. And hear God's voice. 